Well, it is wonderful to be back here at Ocean View Community Church with our church family. And uh, I've entitled this sermon, What I Learned on My Holidays. Uh, don't worry, this won't be a long, boring slideshow of every single day of our holidays. Uh, I will show you a few pictures and tell you some funny stories. But the heart is actually going to be what God taught me on my holidays through reading His Word. Uh, kind of doing my daily devotions. Now the reason I want to do this this morning is not to kind of brag and sound super spiritual. Well, I spend time reading God's Word every day on my holidays. How about you? Hmm? No, that's not my intention at all. My intention is simply to show you what God taught me and hopefully to inspire you. And I was thinking about it this week. You know, it's kind of the definition of hypocrisy is to ask you to do something and then either completely fail to do it myself or do the opposite. So, if I want to inspire our church to read God's Word, I got to do it myself, right? All right, well, first, I want to talk about what I used. So I'm actually going to invite Cassidy up to be my helper today. Now, there are a lot of different little guides that have been written to uh, help us dig into God's Word each and every day. Uh, a lot of people love things like our daily bread. We have a lot that come into the church here. Uh, we have free coffees. If you'd like one of those, you can come grab it. Uh, other people prefer a devotional guide like Every Day with Jesus. Those are excellent too. Then I went in our church library, and we actually have an entire shelf uh, full of devotions. So I just grabbed a few of them. Uh, these two are for men. So this one's entitled All for Jesus by Franklin Graham. Uh, Daily in Christ, Neil T. Anderson. So those are good. Cassidy, you can be my book holder. Thank you. Uh, for moms, we have an excellent book called Grif Grit and Grace. It's actually written by Greta Kennedy. Uh, Jay and Greta and their family used to attend Ocean View. Uh, she, they are now at New Life Church in Duncan, where Jay became a pastor. Uh, so local author, doing fantastic things. And uh, so highly recommend Grit and Grace for moms. Uh, this one's specifically written for grandmas. It's called Listen Up, Honey. <laughs> it's got a little grandma with a crown on. It's pretty awesome. So grandmas, there's one specifically written for you. This one is written completely for teachers. Uh, if you are a school teacher or helping out here in Sunday school, there's a great uh, devotional written for you. As I flipped through it, it kind of made me laugh because it, uh, it's got your daily devotions, it's got verses from the Bible, all that, and then you keep flipping, and all of a sudden it's got a recipe, and it's like slow cooker pot roast. So I guess they were trying to be super practical for teachers. You can do your morning devotions and put dinner on at the same time. Perfect. Uh, this one's uh, specifically for women, God's little devotional book for women. Uh, got a very nice 18th century woman on there, so I'm sure she's exciting. Uh, there is, this one's totally written for young adults. It's called No Compromise, a passionate devotional to ignite your faith. Young adults, that's a good one. Uh, devotions for renewal and joy. Uh, this one really follows the book of Romans and Philippians. And uh, yeah, excellent if you have gone through a hard time and need a little healing. Uh, if you want to go old school, this one's written by Charles Spurgeon, greatest preacher of the 19th century. The cool thing is they've organized them into one-minute devotionals. For This is for stressed out, way too busy people, one-minute devotional. And last but not least, uh, I've always kind of been gravitated towards 
opening God's Word, choosing a passage, not so much using a, a prepared devotional guide, but taking a passage at a time and working through it. Well, this brilliant little book in our library is called Opening Up God's Word, the Compact Survey of the Bible. Just remember, it's got a purple cover, basically. And it's brilliant. It takes each book of the Bible. This is Joshua. Shows you the key themes and shows you an actual Bible reading plan for how to break down the book. It's, it's beautiful. And uh, so it gives you little passages to read every day, but also just gives you enough of the overview so you get what's going on in the book. I think that's brilliant. Fantastic. Can you do a high five? Look at that. You held the books and thank you so much, Cassidy. All right, let's give her a hand this morning. Good job. So, what did I use this summer? Well, back in June, Lori was, my beautiful wife, was cleaning out our garage and she was reorganizing and doing all this stuff. And she came across this beautiful little box. And uh, this is uh, from when I worked at Sandwich Baptist Church in Victoria. Uh, almost 11 years ago. Holy smokes, time flies. And uh, these boxes were made, I think it was the church's 35th anniversary or something along that lines. And there was a wonderful guy in the church. His name was Ernie. And Ernie was married to Alice. The remarkable thing about Ernie, there's this picture. Ernie has ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And uh, Alice has just been an unbelievable, phenomenal, faithful caregiver to Ernie. Ernie's a bit of a miracle. Most people who contract ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease have a typical span of somewhere around three years of life. Ernie has suffered with ALS for 35 years. He's a medical anomaly. No one can quite figure out how he keeps surviving. Uh, but we just think that God's got stuff for Ernie to do. And so Ernie built these boxes. At that point, back in around 2007, he could still do woodworking. And uh, he built over 100 of these. And then he did all these cards. And each card has a scripture verse. And so when Lori was cleaning out her garage, she found this. And I'm kind of embarrassed to say it's been in our garage for 11 years and I never used it. Uh, so I repented of my sins. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to do that this summer. And so basically the one side has got the card, it's got the scripture passage on the front, and then space on the back for you to record your observations, your thoughts about what the, the scripture is saying. So he's designed a front and a back, so you take the unused card, you do it that day, and then you get to move it to this side. I don't know, I'm probably pretty simple, but I found that amazingly satisfying, taking it from the I haven't done that yet side to the I have done that. I am a super spiritual guy who does his morning devotions. Oh, yeah. So anyways, there's my little box. And so I thought, you know what? What do I want to tell people when I'm coming back to work? I want to tell you honestly what God taught me during my summer holidays. Now, I made a little joke there that I'm super spiritual if I do my daily devotions. God does not love you more if you read your Bible every day. If you're confused about that, go back on our website to February 2nd. There's a great sermon on the gospel. That will clear that up for you. But having said that, God wants us to read his word. That's his intention. That's his joy. He wants to communicate with us. All right. So what is the first passage I'm going to tell you about? 
Well, it's this little card right here, Proverbs chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 6. And I'm going to read that this morning. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I read those verses somewhere kind of in the middle of my holidays. And when I read them, I just remember feeling like, wow, that feels like water to a dry and thirsty soul. Six short verses, but they contain some incredible, powerful promises. The first promise is enclosed in the first two verses. See, I'm just getting back into the job. See, like a little awkward here. Can't quite negotiate the thing. Okay, Proverbs 3, 1 to 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. So the book of Proverbs, just a little two-second reminder, it's attributed to Solomon. Solomon was one of the three kings of Israel's golden age. There was Saul, David, and then Solomon. Saul and David fought all the wars, defeated all the enemies, brought peace. And then Solomon was the one who got to come along and build on that. And there's that amazing scene when he's young. And God says, ask me for anything and I will give it to you. And Solomon chose wisdom. Above wealth, power, riches, everything, Solomon chose wisdom. And God granted that. And it talks about in the Bible, people would come from all different countries to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Well, most of the book of Proverbs is written by Solomon. He collected that wisdom that God gave him. Now, when I read these words, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. When I was on my holidays, and I was just pondering and thinking about that. It almost felt like God was saying, reaching down from Solomon all the way to me to say, Darren, you are one of my spiritual sons. You're a 48-year-old pastor on Vancouver Island. Solomon was a king thousands of years ago. But really, when we're in relationship with God, we stand an amazing long line of God's people in faithfulness. And just like Solomon said to his generation, he was saying to me, do not forget God's teachings. Keep his commands in your heart. And there's an amazing blessing attached to that. It says they will prolong your life for many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Now, it is completely wrong to think of those verses like a vending machine where you put in your $2.50, you push the button, and you get a bottle of Coke out of it at the end. And if our thinking is like that, we'll think, well... Proverbs 3, 1 to 2 says, if I maybe memorize the Ten Commandments and, and maybe memorize some verses from Proverbs, then I will automatically live a really long time and get rich. Well, it's not a vending machine type of response. But here's what I've been found to be true. I started working at a church as a youth pastor when I was 23 years of age. I'm 48 now, that's 25 years of interacting with people and watching their lives. 
And what I found over 25 years is that women and men who are serious about their devotional lives, the ones who attempt to, to read that Bible even a few times a week, they participate in church services on Sunday. Those are the people that I've generally found to be married 25 years later. Those are the people that were promoted at work because of their honesty, diligence, and hard work. Those are the people that seem to have less drama and craziness in their life. I compare that to people I've known that attend church, but their heart really isn't committed to Christ. They're still kind of hanging on to their selfishness, their pride, their sin, and pretty predictably, it turns out, those aren't the people trying to read their Bible three times a week. Those are the people that, sadly enough, often do experience things like divorce or have huge stressful and chaotic situations in their lives. Now, that first group of people, in the end, will have more cash than the second group, simply because they don't have to split half their assets with their divorced spouse, they don't have to make alimony or child payments. The first group of people has less stress in their life, and according to medical science, when you have less stress in your life, you are predictably going to live a little bit longer. Too much stress tends to shorten our lifespan. Now, it's really important for me to stop at this point and remind us all that the book of Proverbs is wisdom literature. There's a genre in the Bible, Psalms, Proverbs, the book of Job, Ecclesiastes, a bunch of other books. Those are wisdom literature. And the defining characteristic of wisdom literature, it is that it is generally true for most people. So it is wrong to take the book of Proverbs as always black and white, total promises that apply to everyone all the time. And a famous example is, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, train up a child in the way that he or she will go, and when they're older, they won't depart from it. They won't walk away from God. That is generally true for most people. But I can talk to you about tons of wonderful Christian families great Christian parents that tried their absolute best, but at some point, the kid made their own decision and decided to walk away from God. So Proverbs is not 100% promises for everybody all the time. It's generally true for most people. And that's the way it is in Proverbs 3. So are there faithful, Bible-believing people whose spouse maybe manifest something like mental illness, depression, drug habits in the middle of their marriage, eventually leads to divorce. Absolutely, those are true. It's not anyone's fault, and it certainly isn't the case that if they had just read their Bible more, those kind of things wouldn't happen. Totally not true. It's generally true, though, for the majority of people in most situations that when we do take time to daily read God's Word, when we're allowing it to come into our hearts, to change us, to mold us, to shape us, that God does bless us with long life and with prosperity. Well, the promises in Proverbs 3 don't stop there. Here's the most famous one. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. There's a little footnote there. It says A, and if you look on footnote, it says, or will direct your paths. So make your paths straight, direct your paths. That's the meaning of that verse. 
I don't know about you, but I desperately needed to hear that this summer. It's not up to me and my smarts and my planning to know what to do in life. My job is simply to submit to Jesus, and he will direct my path. That is such good news. One of the really fun activities that our family got to do this summer was canoe from little town of Invermere up to the town of Radium. And if you've never been in that part of eastern BC, it's a gorgeous valley. It's actually one of Canada's biggest wetlands. The water from Lake Windermere combines with a, a creek called Toby Creek. And all the waters actually flow north all the way up to Golden. So we kind of did that 17-kilometer section from Invermere to Radium. And it was really fun. They go to the rental spot. We rented two canoes. And uh, one for Lori and Malia, one for Callista and I. And they set you up with life jackets, paddles. You had to bring your own lunch. They give you a safety talk. And then they really helpfully say, when you're on the river, you're going to see this. That means you're about halfway. When you see this, that means you're about three quarters of the way. That doesn't seem like a big deal at the beginning, but when you are three hours into the four and a half paddle, you're pretty glad to see those little markers on the side. So we shot a little video narrated by my beautiful wife as she attempts to shoot video and paddle and talk to our daughter Malia at the same time. It's pretty awesome. So check this out. We're going to crank up the sound. Okay, so now we are in the current of the Toby Creek water, which is cold on our left, and the warm water, which is on our right. And I'm trying to do a video documentary, and we're going sideways, so Malia's a little concerned. I'm paddling with one arm to try and scoot us over, but very interesting. A little bit easier paddling because we have a current to go with. So if we want to swim now, it's definitely cooler. We've hit some rocks, but no problem. <laughs> How you doing, Olya? Love you. Love you. <laughs> All right, so they went sideways and grounded out a little bit, but it was super fun. It was a great trip. And as we went down, um, it actually really, because I had kind of done my devotions on Proverbs 3, and really thinking about that verse, in all your ways to submit to him, he will make your path straight or he will direct your paths. There was a bunch of different times on that canoe trip when you could go left, down that fork of the river, seemed good. You could go right, that looked good. Which one do you choose? And I remember some of the things that they had told us at the beginning, so that helped a little bit. But you can also kind of see by the flow of the river a little bit which path you should take. And it was a beautiful picture. God just said, here's a real life example of exactly what that feels like. All of us come to that point in our lives, a fork in the road. Do we go down the left side? Do we go down the right side? And Proverbs 3 says, God will help you choose which direction to paddle. That is just so helpful, so comforting. And when we look at that promise, who is it that gets the gift of leading and direction from God? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. He will make your path straight or will direct your paths. So it's really the person who maybe decides to sit down with their Bible, grab that morning cup of coffee, say, Jesus, here I am again. I'm opening up your word. Teach me, lead me, guide me. 
You do that on a pretty regular basis, and when the fork in the river comes and you don't know whether to go left or right, God in Christ will stand behind this promise and make it clear to you. Contrast that with Proverbs 28, 26. Listen to this verse. Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Pretty blunt, but it's true. You live long enough trusting in yourself and you realize, I need some help here because I'm doing my best and it's not turning out like I wanted. Well, Good news is I didn't just do one card on my uh, devotions. I actually got to do a bunch. And the second one I want us to look at is Isaiah 35, 3 to 4. I've entitled the second point, You Don't Have to Fear. Isn't that not a phenomenal kid? Love that kid. This looks like he's so scared. Isaiah 35. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. These verses really kind of spoke to me because it reminded me God is for me. He's the one ultimately protecting my life. He is telling me to be strong, not to fear. And then that beautiful promise, ultimately joy and gladness will overtake me. As our holidays progress and as I wound down from a stressful year, I did feel like gladness and joy were overtaking me. Now, we had a lot of fun experiences on our holiday, including hitting a number of par three golf courses. First one we did was kind of right at Fairmont Hot Springs where we were staying. Gorgeous little par three, super well maintained. They got the Rockies all around you to the left, the Purcell Mountains to the right. Couldn't ask for really a more beautiful place to golf. So we had fun that day. In fact, the girls really loved it. So the next day we said, hey, let's try another par three golf course. There was one 10 minutes down the road called Coys. It's a really beautiful little course. And it does have kind of some longer fairways and stuff. It was started by a farmer who just loved golf. So he took a section of his land and turned it into a golf course. And the other side still has cattle there to this day. And so we showed up more in the afternoon around 5.30. We didn't want to golf in the heat of the day. That turned out to be a little bit of a mistake. So we get all our stuff, we get geared up, and holes one and two were fine because you're kind of up on the top, it's sunny, the breeze is blowing. But when you get to hole number three, you go into the woods, and it gets really shady in there. There's dips, there's water everywhere, which proved to be mosquito breeding grounds. And so by about hole three, four, and five, we are just under attack from mosquitoes. They, I swear they were organized. I think there was one mosquito that was like the general and he was sending them out in battalions. It was just insane. We could not, and you keep like trying to kill them and smack them. Finally, you just don't even care about your golf game. He's like, hit it, run. Now, the super funny thing is the bugs were killing Callista, Malia, and me. They were just all over us. But for some reason, they weren't really bothering Lori. I actually think it's something to do with growing up in Alberta. Maybe she's got Alberta blood and the mosquitoes just don't like her. I don't know what it was. 
Anyway, so we suffer through holes three, four, and five, and there's one last hole in the midst of this wooded, shady area where the mosquitoes are just going berserk. And I was like, okay, just skip hole number six. Let's go to hole number seven. And Lori's like, I'm going. Well, honestly, now that's like total shame for the husband. Like, am I going to let my wife go into the valley of the shadow of death and I'm too scared to go? So I sort of felt like one of the Marines or something. We're like, no one's left behind. So I was like, okay, I'm coming with you. And she is just laughing at me the whole time. And she says, you know, Darren, this is what I grew up with in Alberta. They aren't that bad. And I said, you're crazy. I think it's just they don't like how your blood tastes or something. And I was like, they're killing me. So lots of great laughs along that little golfing adventure. But then I did my devotions the next day on Isaiah 35. And those verses, 3 and 4, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Just like God had kind of give us the canoeing as a picture of Proverbs 3, I think he gave us the nightmare mosquito golf course as a picture of Isaiah 35. Now, of course, God is speaking of much bigger things than just getting some mosquito bites. He is speaking to us about when life is throwing up huge obstacles, circumstances that fill us with dread, make our hands feel like they have no strength, and our knees feel like they're going to give way and we're going to collapse. What a glorious command. Be strong. Do not fear. I needed that this summer. You may need it in your life right now. And that passage backs up that command with the promise. It says, with divine retribution, he will come to save you. And the Lord, those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and slying, sighing will flee away. What a promise. And I want to say to you this morning, if you're watching online and you're feeling down, depressed, discouraged, I want you to read those verses over a few times. Let that promise really sink into your soul. Are you starting to see it and feel it? The power of taking time out to read the Bible, read God's Word, and ponder what it means for you. Well, my final point is God wants me to shine. And we're going to look at Psalm 34. My third card that I want to highlight for you today. Well, this is what it says. Psalm 34. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Isn't that an intriguing thought? When we look to the Lord, when we look to the person of Jesus Christ as the one who can save us and deliver us, our faces will never be covered with shame. In fact, they will be radiant. What this psalm is kind of making an allusion to is that amazing scene in the second book of the Bible, Exodus, when Moses boldly says to God, God, show me your glory. Show me your face. I want to look at you. And God says, Moses, no one can look at my face. No one can see all of my glory and live. My holiness is too powerful. You would be annihilated. 
So I will hide you in a space in the rock, and when I pass by, you can look at the back of my glory. After that, God gives Moses the commandments to pass on to the Israelites. Moses comes down off the top of the mountain, this amazing experience, and here is the result, Exodus 34. When Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant. And they were afraid to come near him, but Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. What a phenomenal scene. So much of God's glory shining off Moses' face that people were in awe. They were frightened of God's holiness. Here's what blows your socks off. You and I standing here on this side of history as flawed and sinful and mistake-prone as we are, when we trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we get that same holiness. We get all of Christ's holiness on us. And our faces don't typically glow as we're walking around, but I'm convinced in the spiritual realm you can see us glow. Our faces reflect the holiness of Christ. One day, Ocean View Community Church, when Jesus comes back, wraps up history, we're resurrected to be with him for all eternity. Because of our position in Christ, what was denied to Moses, that he couldn't look at God's face, we will be able to do. Isn't that beautiful? We will be able to look full in the face of God. Well, that's his promise to you and I as his followers. You see the amazing truths the Bible contains? You see how reading your Bible even just a few times a week can change your whole outlook on life? As human beings, as long as we aren't in the midst of a famine or some catastrophe, we wouldn't imagine not eating for an entire week. We wouldn't skip seven days worth of meals. And yet... When it comes to God word, God's word, the Bible, and we're told to eat it, to take it into the deepest parts of our heart and mind and soul, some followers of Jesus live on a starvation diet. They never crack open God's word. As your pastor, I long for all of us to continue to grow and change to be more like Jesus. Reading your Bible even one or two mornings during the week is one of the tools that God uses to shape and mold us into looking more like Jesus. Well, church, that's what I learned on my summer holidays. I hope it inspires you today. Tom, come and pray for us.